Welcome to the Peterson's Bow Hunting Podcast. All bow hunting, all the time. Now, here's your host, Associate Editor Mark Demko. So, hey, everybody, welcome to the Bow Hunting Podcast. Uh, for this week's episode, we're actually on the road in Gillette, Wyoming, and I'm thrilled. I'm here with Shantane Strotine um, of Crazy Horn Outfitters. We've had a wonderful experience. It's uh, early in the pronghorn season, it's mid August, first weekend. Uh, I think opening day was August 15th. Yep. And uh, had an incredible hunt with you. Um, better than I could have hoped for or expected. I, I didn't know what to expect coming out uh, to the West for my first antelope hunt. But uh, you have an interesting story that we're going to jump into before we talk about the hunt itself. Um, you know, uh, there are a lot of guides, especially in Wyoming, that take people out for pronghorn. But you sort of have an interesting start as to how you became a guide. Um, first off, how did you start hunting? How did you get into hunting and then into bow hunting? Well, my, I, I grew up in a hunting family. My dad hunted. We, I watched him go to Canada, do all sorts of hunting, outdoors things. Um, uncles, cousins, they all hunted. Um, I didn't start really hunting myself until my 20s. And I started archery elk hunting, using a crossbow. Um, just found that I couldn't keep up. It was heavy. It was hard to, to get through the woods with it. was not successful. So I um, got myself a compound bow and started practicing and still not successful in archery elk hunting. And I really wanted something that was a little more controlled for me, a little mm -hmm. closer shots, um, something that I felt like I could have a little better success at and just started to do some research and had some friends that did archery antelope hunting. So I decided I'm just gonna jump in and bought myself a blind, found myself a place to hunt and set up the blind. And there I sat 16 hours a day. I'd get in at daylight, sit till dark, wouldn't get out just learning what they did, how they how they came into water, how to open windows, what they liked, what they didn't like. And yeah. the rest, just, that's that's my story. So, and um, how long have you been antelope hunting now? 20-ish years. Yeah. And at some point you decided, uh, I mean, obviously you, you loved it, but you sort of wanted to share that with other people, right? That's sort of the genesis of how you opened up your guiding business, right? Yeah, after after a few years of, of being pretty successful in, in every hunt that I did, um, I decided I wanted to share it with some of my friends and family and um, my daughter. She was little at the time. So I convinced them it was really fun to sit in the blind for 14 hours. <laughs> and now since you have now, now you're an expert at that. So you can tell everybody it's it's a lot of fun that they should come and, and join me. And I found just as much joy in sharing my experiences mm -hmm. and my knowledge and watching their success as having my own and decided that's what I wanted to do. Yeah, and, and that um, really shines through. I mean, from the first day we got here, you were uh, talking about patience and sort of how the animals will travel, uh, their behavior, and know that you, you know, could go long stretches without seeing something, but it just depends on the day, one day. And, and that happened here. The, the first day of the hunt, <laughs> yeah. uh, we saw one little buck come in, and then the next 13 hours, it was looking at the beautiful water yep. hole. <laughs> it was like somebody flipped a switch. The second day of the hunt, six animals or so, six or seven animals came in by say 9.30 in the morning. It was, it was incredible. So, um, I mean, the biggest thing I take away from it is you need to have some, some patience. It takes a lot and, of patience. You know, uh, but if you're able to do that, um, it's a technique that's phenomenal, especially for bow hunters. It's probably the best way to put somebody on a pronghorn um, antelope. And um, so uh, I'm guessing that you spend a lot of time pre-scouting because obviously you're going to, have to learn a little bit about the animals and their patterns, even though you've been hunting the same ranches for, for a number of years. I'm sure things change from year to year, depending on the on the 
weather conditions, especially whether it's been dry, whether you've had Absolutely. a lot of rain. Um, but talk a little bit about that. I mean, how do you try to pattern those animals? Because I'm sure some water holes work out really well from year to year and others can be hit or miss depending on the year. It just, it does. It depends on, on how hot it is and how dry it is, how much moisture there is, um, weather, temperature, hot, cold. I mean, that's really about what it comes down to. But I spent a lot of time trying to figure that out. And I am lucky because I have hunted the same places for so many years that the patterns stay pretty much the same. I know what to expect going in. And the only thing that will throw it off is excessive amounts of drain or drought. Yeah. And I'm sure that makes it really hard because yeah. they can stop and drink yeah. anywhere. So uh, when we got here, it was uh, late at night. We went out the next morning and it was just getting light out. I was I was a bit surprised. Because we're like literally outside of town, maybe 15 minutes. Yep. Uh, it's a beautiful ranch. Uh, I'm guessing it's 1,500 to 2,000 acres. Yep. But it's surrounded by homes. And this area is, is sort of booming with uh, natural gas, oil, coal, coal for a long time. Um, so the, the town's growing and people are sort of moving outward. I think the population is around 30, 33,000 yep. people. Um, so that was a little surprising to me. I had no problem with it because I hunt uh, in all my bow hunting areas for whitetails. I'm, I, I don't hunt anywhere where I don't see homes. So uh, that was pretty cool knowing that, uh, you know, you sort of expect to be maybe out in the middle of nowhere, but you were surrounded. But we saw a ton of pronghorns, a ton of antelope. And even on the day we sat on the blind, we saw a bunch going in, a bunch coming yeah. out. Yeah. Uh, on that first day, well, we only had one come into water. I knew they were there. Second day, uh, and this morning, we went out to a little driving around. They're everywhere. And so, so, so talk about that. They live on this ranch, but I'm guessing they travel back and forth between the housing developments and, yeah. and the neighboring ranches, but they just sort of learn to live in that area. Yeah, they have their natural habitat. And I, I don't know, you know, how many miles, but I mean, they'll travel quite a ways, but they, they like to stay where they stay. It was kind of their home and, and that ranch, those antelope are there 90% of the time that I go in and out and they may venture out a little bit and then they just come right back in. And I have bigger, you know, bigger places that are further out and, and no houses around. But when you have the concentration of antelope and, and the success rate, which it, it makes it really nice to be able to hunt there. Yeah. Now you do pronghorn hunts, uh, what, through about the end of September for yep. archery? Yep. And then you switch, you also do firearm hunts. I do. Yep. It starts October 1st for firearm. Yeah. Now when you're hunting um, the blinds and the water hole, do you use that technique uh, primarily through the end of the archery season? Uh, do you ever, do you, do you do some spot and stalk if you need to? And I'm sorry, I, how I do you set do, those up? We'll do spot and stalk. I'm, you know, I, I base it on what the client really wants. If they want to come out and give it a try. Um, yeah, we'll definitely do. And we'll use some decoys and crawling through the sagebrush and cactus and, you know, whatever you need to do to, to make it work. You know, you have to, sh to be able to shoot maybe a little bit further than, than a controlled situation sitting in a blind, but it's, it's a lot of fun. Spoiler alert. <laughs> I wanted to see a cactus and I didn't see one until at the end of the hunt, I got a beautiful antelope and I bent over and put my hand into one. And I was like, <laughs> Oh, there's one. Ow. Anyway. So no, that, that was a pretty exciting experience, but uh, yeah, I was very fortunate to take a, a, Bronghorn on the second day of the hunt, mid-morning, was probably around 9, 30, 10 o'clock. Um, beautiful animal and uh, probably about a 26-yard shot, if I remember. And um, so you you absolutely really know your stuff. And like I said, the big thing was the, the amount of uh, information that you share. Uh, one of the things that really stood out to me, to me is, is how um, 
thoughtful you are and, and how you are always checking in on your clients. Um, and uh, I'm pretty self-sufficient, but that really stood out to me. Um, and the reason I say that is um, I'm sure that's sort of like evolved out of the clients that you have come out here. You do a lot, right, with families and you families. do a lot of special hunts. Um, and um, you're really a, a, a smaller operation, so you can really cater to the hunter's needs. Yes. So let's talk a little bit about that. Like how many hunters do you have in for a hunt? You probably try to keep the numbers pretty small. Uh you do everything. So you yep. do everything from arrange all the logistics to the guiding. So that was the other thing that I, was, I thought was unique. You handle everything, but let's talk about that. Well, I don't. I don't ever have more than than four people in at a time. That's all I can handle myself. Um, I've I've found it. It's bigger than that. It takes away from the whole experience and me being able to take care of each person. But typically, if you if you book your days, those are your days, and I don't I don't have anybody else come in. So um, sometimes it'll be a group of four in a family. Um, sometimes it's just two hunters in a family, a husband and a wife, two friends, um, have a ladies archery hunt. There's three ladies coming. They booked through the sisterhood of the outdoors. Um, so other than that, yeah, I just keep it kind of small groups. Yeah. And we're going to talk about that, uh, the sisterhood of the outdoors in a minute, but uh, I, I can't stress that enough. What's so nice about, um, crazy, crazy horn outfitters is that, um, if you want to come and you want that more intimate experience with your closest friends or your family, like a father, uh, daughter, father, son, or mother, daughter, mother, son, um, that's it. If that's important to you, that that's it. That's your group when you come here. And that's pretty amazing. So, you know, there are some other, um, actually there's a number of smaller outfitters, but you're going to have other people in camp. And so, but if you want to just have something where it's more intimate experience, this is the place, no doubt about it. Um, now, you, you mentioned the Sisterhood of Outdoors. Talk a little bit about what that is and how you got to work with them. It is um, a, a women's hunting organization, and, and the owner, um, she's from Georgia, and she just she started this um, providing hunting opportunities for women, essentially, um, vetting outfitters and guides and um, taking away that, that uncertainty for women, um, women hunting with other women, um, providing the opportunities, putting the hunts together so the ladies can can just come in and click a button and say, okay, I'm going to show up there and someone's really going to show me what to do, how to do it. It's anywhere from beginners to, to very successful, you know, um, archery hunters. They, they provide all sorts of hunting, shooting, fishing, um, bird hunting, uh, just all sorts of, of opportunities for women. And probably for what you do, this is the perfect situation because while if you're bow hunting, it may not always be high success, the shot opportunities are very high here, yes, right? Yes. And, and I'm guessing most of your clients that come in uh, get it, an opportunity to shoot at an animal. I've, I've never had anybody not have an opportunity yet. Knock on all wood so yeah. far. <laughs> and when you're talking about hunting, that's a tough yeah. thing. It may not be the biggest one and it may not be, but you'll have something to, you will have an opportunity to shoot something in, in the three day hunts. Yeah. Now for your youth hunt, is that a firearm hunt? Cause I know you also do firearm hunts or is that a, an archery hunt? Yep. So I do a couple specialized hunts every year. Um, the youth hunt, I think this is our sixth year doing it. And that is a firearm hunt. Um, we provide the mentors. That's just a great, the, the little girls write essays, they get selected and chose to come hunt with us. It's all um, free to them. It, everybody donates a ton of time and equipment, and it's just amazing. 
No, it, it, it sounds absolutely wonderful. And, and I know that uh, more and more outfitters are starting to do that across mm -hmm. the country, uh, which is great because uh, you have to look at different ways to get young people involved in the sport nowadays. So when you and I started, you, you always had maybe a, a mom or a dad yeah. or an uncle yep, that got absolutely. you involved. And, and things are different nowadays. So um, I think having those unique mentoring experiences um, are really important. And um, uh, I find that a, a number of the women guides tend to want to do that and have yeah. the kids come in and mentor them. I, I know a couple others that do that. So uh, that's pretty incredible. Now, you're spending your fall out here. You when do you head home? You you uh, head home to Missouri. It's where you spend your 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 most of your year. Um, how long are you here hunting pronghorns? Um, I, I get here beginning of August and I'll go back the beginning of November. Yeah, so that's uh, about three months. Three months. Yep. Yeah. And so, do you have time to do any hunting where you live in Missouri? Um, I have spring turkey hunted. Yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's about all I have ventured so far. But. Yeah. Well, the reason I was asking is is you love to archery hunt. That that yes. is your favorite thing to do. Um, what kind of bow are you shooting right now? What's your bow of choice right now? I have a Matthews, um, jewel. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Great bow. Matthews. Yeah. Um, probably one of the most Had popular bows. for years and years and years. Yeah. And, uh, I've shot a number of Matthews over yeah. the years. So, um, uh, now I'm guessing you may not, because you're so concentrated on putting people on animals, do you ever get a chance to do any pronger hunting yourself anymore? I have not done it myself since I started the business, uh -huh. um, for the reason I just, I would rather have my clients and my friends that come and hunt with me be successful. Um, I have shot plenty in my life. So no, now I'm venturing into, I would like to shoot. I've not, I've not shot a deer with my bow. Um, I have shot at deer with my bow, <laughs> but I have not harvested one. So I would like to, to get more into that side of it for myself. Now let's talk a little bit more about the incredible hunt we've had here. Um, you know, we're sitting in a blind. You have to have some patience to to wait. Um, some days could be um, uh, a little long. Um, you're in there from basically sunrise to probably right before sunset. Yeah. Maybe you come out an hour before, depending on if the animals are moving or not. But uh, when when somebody comes out here for the first time to do a pronghorn hunt, what are the main things? If they ask you, what should I know? What are the main things you stress to them? Um, patience. Um, you know, I, I hope that they're prepared well prior to getting here for shooting in, in different situations of, of shooting out of a blind, shooting in sitting, kneeling positions. People don't commonly practice that unless you tell them that. I mean, the, the most common practice is standing and shooting. So that's really important. Um, and patience. You know, I don't, I'm not going to make you stay there all day, but you can't shoot anything probably at 20 yards if you're not in a blind. So you got to, you got to sit and it's tough and it's mental, it's, it's mental toughness to, to push through that. Yeah. Now, now pronghorns have excellent eyesight. And so one of the things you try to tell everybody is, is sit as patiently as possible with as little movement as possible. Or if you are somebody who has to move around a little bit and stretch like I do as I'm, I'm getting older, stay to the back of the blind. You can yes. stand up in there. Your blinds are plenty tall. I don't know how tall your blinds are, but there's plenty of room to actually stand up, stretch. Um, and you actually recommend if they can keep most of the windows closed in the blind. So if you're sitting there and a pronghorn comes in from one of the sides or from behind you, you may not see it. But if you move your arm or go to scratch or something, that might yes. blow the opportunity yep. for you. So uh, that's one of the things that, you know, are, are, are so important. And it's hard because you have to know that you're only going to be able to watch a small area. But you have your blind so well set up that if those animals come in to drink, you're going to get a shot. And most of your, I'm guessing most of your shot opportunities are 40 yards or under? Under 40 yards is where I try to keep it. Absolutely. And I have some some places that are, are 20 yards. I mean, I, the water is is 20 yards at a, at a water tank. Um, 
and that's it's, it's a pretty controlled situation as well. But I, I try and keep it under 40. Yeah. And so the blind we were sitting on, uh, probably the furthest shot in any one direction, if the animal got to the water, it was about 33 yards. So you could easily cover it. It was a um, sort of an oval shape or an elongated circle. It was a great setup. And um, on the second morning, we had a, a nice pronghorn come in and um, made the shot. Um, and it was an incredible experience and probably saw going in and going out at the blind, near the blind, several dozen animals over the the day and a half that we really yeah. ended up hunting. Um, your hunts are what? Three, how long are your hunts? I do a three-day hunt. Yeah, so, and, and that's for firearms too? Yes. Yeah, so so three-day hunt, but you're going to see animals. They're here. Uh, I was amazed at how many animals we saw being just outside of town. Um, the other interesting thing to me was uh, sort of like if, if, if you live in whitetail country, you'll see the deer in the housing developments in the people's yep. backyard. <laughs> the pronghorns were like that too. Here I expected you'd only see them out in the big expanses. No, they were laying down right next to the people's uh, fences and they were yep. walking in the drainages and things like that. And and the other nice thing about when you're pronghorn hunting for archery, especially early in the season, you know, we know that pronghorns are exceptionally fast, especially if they get startled, they're going to take off. Um, they're pretty pretty docile at this time of the year. So um, you're going to trade the, the hot weather and the sitting for long periods of time to shooting at a really relaxed animal, yeah, right? It's so much easier. It, it makes things a lot less frustrating because you have a little bit of time. You, you don't have to be quite as fast. And, and that changes as, as weather changes. That changes during the rut a little bit. And definitely when the cold weather comes in, you, you have a little, little less time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And so the other thing that was interesting to me and, and you touched on this a little bit, but I want to expand upon it for, for the podcast for our listeners here. It was uh, the pronghorn mating season is like September into October, if I'm correct. Yep. And so I didn't expect to see any kind of activity, but but you alerted me. Um, sometimes there were bucks that were sort of coming to the, to the water hole, but maybe they got hung up and things like that. And you said you're already, depending on the year, start to see some what's called pre-rut activity. Pre yep. So talk a little bit about uh, what that does to the animal movement, the patterns and because um, that's sort of the, the bucks will sort of gather up the, the does and things yes. like that. And you think you know, they do it for, for elk, but they also do it for pronghorn. But talk about what you're starting to see now as you're seeing these pronghorn move around. You just them um, the, the the bigger bucks or the, the more dominant bucks doesn't necessarily mean the bigger ones. But the more dominant bucks starting to to gather a few does up, keep them away from the other herd herds of bucks coming in. And so their, their patterns are changing. They, they're still going to come to water. They're just changing a little bit. They're not going to let the does come to water quite as much until they're done with them, making sure that they don't have, have a doe that is, is coming into to being bred early, um, in the early season, essentially. So you see that just a little bit more. They're starting to chase a little bit. I, I saw a few while I was um, scouting around for you. While you were in the blind, they were... They were chasing other bucks, chasing other bucks around. So that's interesting. Yeah. And the other thing is, is, is you know, you checked in a couple of times via text to make sure everything was going well. And I thought that was really nice because, you know, like I said, you're sitting in the blind all day. I'm used to going out and you're out uh, for long periods of time, four or five, six hours, or sometimes you're out, depending what you're hunting, you're out all day and you don't necessarily have that interaction. But that was really great that you check in on. Uh, and I'm sure you do that for all your clients. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, now you've been hunting pronghorns for a long time, almost 20 years, 20 years. Uh, you've been doing your guiding business for a long time. Is there something about hunting these animals that still surprises you or catch you off guard? Because obviously there's something that drives you to continue to do this. Is is there anything where, where you're, you're still driven to want to learn and get better or you're like, man, these, these animals do I this? I don't know if you ever, if you ever know 100% what's going to happen. 
because they are wild animals and, and regardless of being out in a little bit of the, the rural, you know, neighborhoods and things, they're still wild animals and you still cannot guarantee every second is going to be just like you thought. And so it surprises me every day. I mean, the, the first day of your hunt, I, I was so surprised. You, we didn't have any does water at your water hole. And that, that was surprising because prior to you coming, there were, I don't know, 10, 10 does consistently using that. So definitely changes. Yeah. And that, and that, you know, that was interesting. <laughs> I, um, you know, in the, in the, the two days we sat there, uh, all the, the animals that came in were bucks. And I thought to myself, well, I would have easily seen some does. Yeah. And so they didn't, but uh, everything worked out really well. Um, an incredible hunt um, went uh, better than I could have anticipated and expected. Um, and so um, the last question I have for you, you love the bow. Do you have an animal on your bucket list that you'd like to get with the bow yet? Moose. You'd like to go for moose? Yeah. Yeah. So, and everybody has one. For me, yeah, you know, absolutely. it's a, I'd like to get out for elk at some point, but uh, yeah, moose is, a, is, a, is, is an incredible experience. I, I got one with the bow and it was just incredible. Um, so hopefully you'll have a chance to make that happen yeah. at some point. Um, but uh, I, I have to say, um, coming out here without a lot of preconceived notions or thoughts, um, you are an incredible guide. Thank you. Um, and like I said, very conscientious, uh, very um, thoughtful when it comes to your clients, which is, uh, I mean, you went above and beyond. And uh, the hunt is first class. Obviously, there's a, a ton of animals in the area. This year, it was actually down a little bit. We had a drought last year. Yep. And so the numbers weren't as strong as they normally are in the area, but we saw plenty of antelope. I'm guessing we saw easily over 50 or 60 animals in the day and a half uh, in the nearby fields and coming into the water and moving around on the ranches and things like that. But an incredible hunt. So if you're looking to come out west for your first hunt, absolutely, um, I would say, you know, pronghorns. It's a great high success hunt or at least high opportunity. Um, Jantane, you do a tremendous job. So if you're really looking for a family type experience or more intimate hunt where you have a group of only three or four hunters, this is the place. As she said, you're going to be the only only group or the only guys in camp. It's an amazing experience. Um, you're going to get a chance to shoot at an animal. Um, and, and that's all you can ask for when you're bow hunting because it's bow hunting and it's not a high success. We all know that. Anybody who bow hunts knows it's not a high success. Yeah. But uh, in this case, it was 100% opportunity, 100% success. So I wish you the best with your business going forward. Thank uh, you. you do an amazing job. Um, I've never personally hunted with anybody who does everything from all the administrative stuff and all the bookings to running the business. So that was impressive to me because I lied. I said, I said that was my last question, but I got one more. Do okay. you sleep? Sometimes. <laughs> when, when, when my clients leave that, that last day, I sleep pretty good and then they start all over again. Oh my goodness. I well, love every minute. that's great. And you do a, you do a hell of a job. So. Thank you. That's it, everybody from beautiful Gillette, Wyoming area. Thank you for joining the Bow Hunting Podcast. We will see you next time. And Champagne, thank you so much for joining us. If you're looking for a great pronghorn hunt, check out Crazy Horn Outfitters. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And congratulations. Thanks for downloading the Peterson's Bow Hunting Podcast. All bow hunting, all the time. Pick up the latest issue of Peterson's Bow Hunting Magazine on your local newsstand. Or connect with us online at bowhuntingmag.com.